You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Jack Lewis. You're listening to WFHB Local News for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Later in the program, WFHB correspondents Noelle Herhushke Schneider and Cade Young provide the second episode of Deep Dive Limestone Post and WFHB Investigate. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, artificial images on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB Local News. But first, we turn to the second installment of Deep Dive on the WFHB Local News. This is Deep Dive, WFHB and Limestone Post Investigate, where we look into issues regarding health, housing, and the environment that directly impact residents of Monroe County. This month, we are looking into the housing crisis. Next month, we will address possible solutions. This week, we look deeper into the quality of Bloomington's housing stock. One aspect of the housing crisis is that there are not enough units to keep up with the demand of the people living here. This low supply paired with the high demand of the college town leads to competition over the housing market, which can lead to people taking what they can get and settling for or getting stuck in lower quality housing. This high competition also means that the housing units are almost always full, which doesn't leave a lot of time or incentives for landlords to ensure the units are fully functional and habitable. We spoke with a Bloomington resident, Keelan Walser, about her experience renting in town and a recent mold crisis she dealt with and will be dealing with for quite some time. Walser said she has lived in the dorms at Indiana University and in various apartments around Bloomington. Up until December 27th, she was living in an apartment in a multiplex housing unit. Keelan lived in her apartment for six months before she started noticing any health complications. It was nine months before she started suspecting what she experienced was a consequence of mold exposure. After 10 months, she decided to move. Here is her story. So at the beginning-ish of, around March, I'd say, of 2022, I had a pretty massive leak in my apartment that went untreated for a while. It was in my ceiling in my bedroom. And I, it was not treated for like weeks, which is not standard practice in any other apartment complex from what I can tell. And I that was treated, whatever, but I started having symptoms of like chronic um, throat ache. Like, you know how you have a throat ache right before you get a cold? Mm -hmm. It sort of feels like that, but constantly. And it never gets super bad, but it's never, it never goes away either, except for when you're out of the house. So I had that. And then progressively throughout the summer, I started having some pretty severe muscle pains as well as um, like noticeable muscle knots that were not possible to like massage out. They were getting worse and I kept, and it was really bad, especially in my arms. And 
I was making up all of these really interesting reasons why my body was failing on me. So I thought, for example, my arm problems were because I was side sleeping in a weird way or something like that. So then the muscle pain started, and then what happened? I just got very fatigued um, when I would be around my house. Uh, I wouldn't really be able to keep up with my chores very easily. I wouldn't be able to, um, like normal day-to-day -day tasks didn't really seem um, doable to me. And I had this pretty severe brain fog, but unfortunately I also had COVID around that time. And so I blamed that brain fog on having COVID brain fog. So I was coming up with all these interesting reasons why my body was doing this, right? And um, I then, around, around my birthday, I had this job where I was doing a lot of physical activity and I would do absolutely fine at the job, but then I would come home and I would have like no energy and I would, be, and I would have no energy on my days off, even though I wasn't particularly overworking myself. So I was really thinking to myself, like, what is going on here? And I, I thought I had the onset of some sort of chronic illness, which is technically true since it was mold, but it was not really due to my body per se. Mm -hmm. And um, then um, around in the winter, um, I, I went on a some different vacations and I was in my apartment like not very much for about two or three weeks. I was only in there like two or three days overlap in between going on travel. And when I was in, when I was on that second trip, pretty much all of my symptoms went away. All of the muscle aches, all of the brain fog, all of the throat ache problems I had been having, all of the, everything went away. And I came, and I also had some um, skin issues I forgot to mention as well. And I came back to my house and it, my symptoms came back worse than they were before. And so I really knew something was up with my apartment at that point because it only happened when I was in my apartment. When Keelan realized her apartment was impacting her health, she decided to stay at her mom's house, which is two and a half hours away, uprooting her life and sending it into disarray. And so on December 15th, that was the last day that I chose to live in my house. Um, I gathered up my cats and my essential belongings and I went to my mom's house. It's, it's about a two and a half hour drive. Uh, my mom lives in Cincinnati. Um, it's been not the most convenient thing in the world. At least it's a pretty drive. But um, it's, it's, you know, I have to choose the days I want to come to Bloomington essentially. And for a while I, you know, didn't have a bed. I had to track one down and get it delivered and so I've had to try to schedule things like that around when I'm going to be in Bloomington um, you know my not that this is a pretty minor concern but my social life has been on hold I need to find a job as well I haven't really been able to do that a while I'm still recovering from this in large as well as just I'm moving around so much and I didn't really have a stable house to live in in Bloomington besides just staying with friends for a, a long time. Um, so that's been majorly uprooting to my life. I've, you know, I've just tried to make the best of it. I'm really lucky in a lot of ways. I have a really awesome support network, but um, it's, it's, this is definitely the hardest and, and craziest thing I've ever had to deal with. 
While living at her mom's house, Walser communicated with her apartment company about her concerns regarding mold in the unit. And I um, communicated with my property management company and I was like, there is something in this apartment that is making it not habitable. I suggest, I strongly think it's mold due to the fact that I have had leaks in this apartment that were not treated at all uh, for weeks. And I, I, it's not livable, basically. And my apartment company reached back out to me and was like, well, if, uh, we can offer you a mutual release of your lease, but, and if you want to get the apartment tested, you will have to go pay for a mold inspector and um, we will mitigate the mold if it is found that there is indeed mold in the apartment. And I didn't really know that at the time, but making me pay for that mold test after a history of leaks is really not um, particularly ethical apartment practice. It's not technically illegal from what I can tell, but it's not ethical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so I did that. I, I stayed in my apartment as little as possible, but I did pay for a mold inspector to come out. Um, very nice company, it seemed like, very reputable, had many, it, it was like licensed from Indianapolis. Um, the airborne, and it was an airborne mold spore trap test. And they, they did that mold trap um, test and it came back negative, basically. It came back having um, less mold on the inside than it was on the outside. And so um, I was about to pretty much cut my losses. The day before she was set to move out for good, there was a major leak and her ceiling fell through, revealing black mold and destroying her belongings. Then on December 27th, um, we had some, I, I had scheduled some movers to come and help me since I had to move so quickly. And we had had some storms in Bloomington that had, that were, it was a very um, rapid temperature shift. And as it happened, a pipe in my ceiling of my bedroom burst. And so I came to this apartment at 6.30 in the morning and it sounded like the shower was on because there was so much water coming down my ceiling. There was probably about a half inch of water on my floor by the time I found it. My bed and mattress were like completely soaked through, which takes a while. Um, and I just, you know, quite a bit of my stuff was destroyed. And I, luckily it was contained to the bedroom. And so the movers were helping me move as my, this leak is happening. I've tr I tried to contact my property management company um, in every way I knew how, and they didn't get back to me for about three hours. Uh, and that's when they finally shut the water off. And in that time, um, you know, I did get some video of before, um, while the leak was happening, and I, I left because I just, I couldn't even hardly watch it happen until the movers came. And when I came back, my ceiling had collapsed due to the amount of water um, going through it, essentially. And when the ceiling collapsed, it exposed all of this black insulation that was just obviously completely covered in black mold. And that doesn't just happen in a matter of hours, so it wasn't from the current leak happening. It, it, that's just simply not possible. And insulation starts out pink, so... Uh, there's only a couple things that could be, right?
Walser is concerned that the rental company is not going to properly address the mold problem and that future tenants are going to move into an uninhabitable unit. And so the incident, the major catastrophe, happened on December 27th. And by December 30th, there was already walls back up and there was already a ceiling again. And, um, you know, this, this was a catastrophic leak with, with hundreds if not thousands mm -hmm. of gallons of water, you know. And it is not possible for water to evaporate that fast even after you tear out all of the insulation and, and wall stuff and et cetera. And they they were painting it by the 31st. Like they were they were getting it ready to go, which is disgusting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the place, the last time I was in it, smelled very strongly of mildew because how could it not? They trapped water into the ceiling and into the walls. So um, part of the reason that the, my rental company wanted me to sign the um, that, that re mutual release contract so quickly is because they even told me they had someone lined up for the unit and they wanted to move in as soon as possible. And someone was living there, from what I can tell, as early as January 15th. Um, and again, the catastrophe happened on December 27th. So you do the math on water drying. <laughs> I feel very badly for anyone who would be going through anything at all similar to what I'd be going through I know that there must be people who are going through mold-related illness right now who don't even know about it, and that really scares me a lot. Walser did some research and found out that proper mold remediation takes a long time, and she doesn't want anyone to experience what she went through. She relives the feeling of not being able to take care of herself or her cats the way she normally does. Proper mold remediation takes weeks to months. Yeah. That is, that is from every piece of research I um, have come across, that is true. Um, to your point about the other residents in the house, everyone in the house is sick. Not everyone has the ability to move. It breaks my heart. Um, they, the, the tenants in that house have pretty much, who, all who have asked for it, have been offered a mutual release by the rental company, but not all of them are able to take it. Because, as you've said, there's um, issues with securing housing, especially affordable housing in Bloomington. And I, I, I feel terrible for those people because, quite frankly, with the brain fog that comes with this mold, I don't even think some of them are able to understand how much it's affecting them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, you know, trying to call them stupid or, or anything like that. It's simply like it affects your decision making every single day. It does not allow you to think about things completely. It, it, it took a lot from me. It, it made it hard for me to, for example, take care of my cats to the point where I was taking care of them. I was meeting all of their needs. But I, I wasn't able to do a whole, whole lot extra for them, and I, I felt very guilty about that. Yeah. And, um, and I know that my cats were having symptoms, too, now in yeah. hindsight. Um, and I, I love my cats really dearly. My cats bring me a lot of joy. And um, it, it, I, I considered, like, almost having to rehome them because I'm like, I'm going through some sort of chronic illness yeah. thing. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I just 
I can't, I don't feel good about this because I'm barely taking care of myself. So I, I felt really yeah. um, bad about that responsibility. You know, I, I, t I take that very seriously. And um, it, it, it took from that mold, took from me all of my extra, if you will. So I was self-sustaining. I was keeping that, my apartment relatively clean. I was taking relatively okay care of myself. But anything extra that makes it makes being human really worth it was gone for months. Mm -hmm. And looking back on that, that is just so scary to me because now I'm like, I'm probably close to 80 percent um, better, you know, but if before I was close to 50 percent and I, I've been fine taking care of my cats. Mm -hmm. I've been fine, you know helping clean all this stuff. I've been fine putting my new apartment together. It's not been an issue to me. And it just breaks my heart that I was like that for months. And I, I know for a fact that not only are the people currently living in that house still that way, but probably a lot of others in Bloomington and beyond. Walser urged anyone listening to request a mold test if they suspect that their residence might be contaminated. If you think you have some sort of issue with your apartment, whether it be asbestos, whether it be mold, whether it be something else. Trust your body. That's good advice in general, but it's especially good advice with mold. Trust your body to know that something is not right. Do not sit around and make weird reasons why these illness symptoms are happening. I'm not saying that other chronic illnesses don't have, you know, some symptom overlap with what I experienced but just please trust your body enough to know when something is wrong. I, I would just really implore anyone who even suspects that something like this is happening to maybe go spend a few days with a friend and see how you feel after that. Because the, luckily for me at least, these symptoms ha do go away um, rather quickly. Um, not the complete symptoms go away, but, but a lot of the symptoms go away fairly quickly after leaving the mold-infested space. And I would just really encourage you to be in touch with your body and know what's up. Deborah Meyerson is an urban planner and housing and community development consultant based in Bloomington. With over two decades of experience in this field, she described the state of housing supply as lacking. I think supply is a big thing. I mean, it just has to be, right? Because you can't do anything else till you have more supply. Meyerson said that the lack of supply leads to higher rents and lower quality housing. What is the quality of the housing that they have, right? Because even if they have housing they can afford, if it's substandard housing, what are we doing to change that? Because that's not a fair situation. You know, I mean, fine... Indiana has a warranty of habitability, which is, you know, there. But do, how do people know what their rights are? How does it get enforced? And even if their housing is in good shape, what does it mean if their utility costs are out of control, right? You know, costs just going up. Then it'd be like, great, I got really good rent, you know, on my lease. But, geez, it's February and my, my, uh, heating bill has doubled or, you know, and again, there's certainly income qualified programs to help that, but not everybody qualifies, you know, money runs out, et cetera. So how do we keep stable housing costs 
and quality housing for folks. Tune in next Wednesday at 5 p.m. for a deeper dive into Monroe County's housing crisis. For WFHB News, I'm Cade Young. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. Up next, artificial images on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on the WFHB Local News. We turn to host and producer Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. Charity scams have been around for a long time, and they always explode whenever there's some kind of disaster somewhere. Because Americans are famously generous people, willing to help innocent victims of severe weather, natural disasters, or man-made catastrophes wherever they occur. Now, though, swindlers are starting to use computerized artificial intelligence in a new way, creating phony images to tug at your heartstrings. Case in point, the really terrible earthquake that recently happened in Turkey and Syria. As of now, the death toll is over 46,000 and still climbing. Rescuers are still pulling a few survivors and a lot of bodies out of the rubble. The calamity has exposed some local fraudsters. Authorities are arresting architects and builders of some modern, supposedly quake-proof buildings that collapsed into dust. But the scammers are after you trying to get you to give money that supposedly goes to relieve the suffering of the survivors, but really goes into their pockets. They have been flooding the Internet with appeals and very often include pictures which are supposed to show the devastation, but are really whipped up on their computers with AI-generated art. There are now websites which will generate an image from a brief description. You type in something like, a puppy playing with a ball, or President Trump with his pants on fire, or anything you can imagine, and zip goes the film, you get several images to download, and some can be very good. One recent phony Twitter appeal showed a firefighter standing in the ruins holding a little child, allegedly taken in Syria, But there were some problems, like the firefighter having six fingers on one hand, that showed it was a fake. Very often now, these scammers ask for donations in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or other cryptocurrency, or they ask you to give money via PayPal, which is a dead giveaway, you should pardon the expression, because PayPal is legally banned in Turkey. As always, never give money to a charity without checking them out first on websites like charitynavigator.org or give.org. Give.org is especially easy to remember, and it's run by the Better Business Bureau. 
even if their ratings come up roses, it's still best to donate with a credit card so you have a record for tax purposes and so you have a fighting chance to get your money back if it turns out you've been diddled. A picture is still worth a thousand words, but the old saying that seeing is believing just ain't true anymore. Any picture you see on the Internet, especially on social media, could be as phony as a swindler's tall tale. From now on, it's going to get harder to tell the difference between virtual reality and real reality. Welcome to the future. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 